So hello, hello and welcome to my tennis journey. Um, now, when people think of tennis lessons, my hunch is that the mind goes to technical development, grips, swing paths, but the physical skills required to be a good or elite tennis player are so much more than racket technique. You need strength, movement, agility, coordination to effectively get around the court, get to the ball and be able to demonstrate that amazing technique. Today, we're going to look into what it takes to develop these skills and why they are so important for all tennis players. In fact, I'd say for all sports people. And we're going to do it with one of the UK's leading strength and conditioning coaches who runs an online program called Tennis Supermovers. The program is a great platform to give young players the chance to shine from an S&C, which strength and uh, conditioning is often shorted to, perspective. So welcome to the show, Howard Green. Thank you very much for having me, Rob. Looking forward to it. Come on. Now, I am very keen to talk about Tennis Supermovers. It, it looks like a really interesting programme and, you know, what it can bring to players, parents, coaches. But I'm very keen to start with your journey as, as it's really fascinating. Am I right in thinking that you came to the sort of S&C world from a career in the military? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, so 19 years old, um, joined the Royal Marines Commandos. Um, that was back in a time when it wasn't, there wasn't much going on in terms of operations. Um, a lot of people were asking me, like, well, why are you joining the Marines? They're always first in. Oh, it's fine. There's not much happening. And then in the latter stages of my training, 9-11 um, happened. So I've still got the newspaper at home that just basically has got the Twin Towers in flames and were going to war. So that was a bit of an eye-opener. Um, I ended up serving six years, did the invasion of Iraq in 2003, went back to Iraq again in 2004, and, and finished basically my career 2006, spending six months in Afghan, uh, and then I left end of August 2007. Um, so it was a busy time, six years, but a lot wow. crammed into it, wow. yeah. And, and just what those experiences must have been like, you know, when, when I think about my path from the corporate world, where effectively I did a lot of sitting in coffee shops, coming up with ideas, mm. putting ideas forward, presenting, you know, wow, what a different way that you came to this world of, of strength and conditioning, man. I mean, just, it must have been, I mean, it must have been, you must have learned so much. It must have been incredibly tough and, and but was it I mean how do you look back on that experience yeah it, I mean it was something that got put in a box for a long time um the tour in Afghanistan was very very heavy um three separate concussion incidents with rocket propelled grenades and then uh, improvised explosive devices um so it was a heavy tour um, mentally and physically which obviously led to a little bit of PTSD and stuff after kind of coming home. So for a long time, it kind of just got boxed up and, and, and left. Um, and he gets a shout out on pretty much every podcast I ever do, but a friend and a mentor, a guy called Darren Roberts, he kind of rediscovered his military past um, and helped me to do the same uh, in terms of, okay, there's certain things that maybe could have been negative, but there's also a lot of positives that we can take away from it and things that we've learned from it. So one of the things that, you know, was dawned on me was on most like podcasts that I will listen to in terms of S and C ones. 
the coaches are usually have been a half decent athlete, be that out in the States or in Europe. Um, and I was like, well, I've never been an athlete. Yeah, I've played a bit of rugby and a bit of footy, but I wouldn't class myself as a, a, a good rugby, like a rugby player. But then that, that dawning that was like, hang on a minute, I was a tactical athlete. I was an athlete at a very high level, very high level um, in terms of high performance. So that was a big dawning moment um, and started to open up like, okay, I, I can use these experiences. I can use some of the principles. Um, I can feel good about myself that I was a high level athlete um, and then just try and impart some of the stuff I can with the, with the players that I work with. Um I mean, one of the things when I when I worked in, you know, the worlds of marketing and innovation, we always tried to look to related worlds. We tried to look and say, uh, I mean, as a, a little example, you'd look at a luxury car and you'd look at the way a luxury car closed with a lovely thud. And you'd think, all right, well, what can that teach us about packaging? Well, how can we design our packaging to give it that luxury sort of touch? You'd look at these kind of things. I mean, were there other things from, from the military world that you've now brought over that, that you've learned that's helped you in the world of tennis and strength and conditioning? Yeah. So obviously like some of the stuff that you're talking there, like other terminology that people use is cross-pollination. Um, <laughs> but like that connecting things is something that I think I'm quite, quite good at is to, to draw from different experiences um, to be able to create either whether, it, whether it's an analogy or use a story to kind of go, oh, well, in this scenario, this is what I learned, this is what we did. Um, there's obviously all the standout ones in terms of discipline, in terms of integrity, in terms of very high standards. Um, but the standout one that I kind of, we're talking about the most right now is, is, is the concept of rehearsal. So just as the athlete, or the, sorry, the player has to prepare for battle, which is match day, we do too, to a very high level. Um, and therefore we would rehearse all the different things we need to do to be able to perform at the highest level under lots of different conditions, under low stress, high stress, blank ammunition, no ammunition, live ammunition. So the thing is, is what we're trying to say is twofold, is look at your training. Is there enough in there that positively rehearses the technical, tactical, physical, mental for battle? And also within the super movers, here are certain exercises that you don't need to overthink it. We've intertwined certain movement patterns that are then underpinned by what we call the integrated tennis shapes. So let's take the lunge, for example, linked to the open stance forehand. If the athlete isn't really good or the player can't nail a lunge in a closed environment, as in the warm-up, there's a good chance when you open that drill up and you're pushing them out wide to hit an open stance forehand, as you said in your intro, it isn't the racket work that's the issue. It's the body work and the footwork. So we want to really demystify the physical training that you guys, the tennis coaches, are more than skilled enough to deliver this stuff. And it's just being smart about it. If you just thread in 10 minutes every single session you ever do, that's going to build up over the year. So that's what we're trying to get to, really. Love it. I love this word, this cross-pollination. So my elder <laughs> brother, hello, Edward, I know you'll be listening. Uh, he did 10 years in the Grenadier Guards. And when we go to family occasions and I see his shoes, you can see his reflection in his shoes, man. They're so well polished. And he kind of looks at me and he's like, 
shakes his head. He's like, yeah. you scruffy. I mean, <laughs> in those sort of in those sort of situations, how do you look at the way a player comes on court, the way they carry themselves and think, come on, smarten yourself up, be ready for the occasion? Yeah, no, I've done it. I have done it. So like I was a mortarman and we would say is a tidy mortar line is a happy mortar line. And when you're in training, you'll be in what we call a harbour. So it's just like a triangle position in, a, in some woods. So that way you can observe all directions and then everybody's safe in the middle. And what they would do is bump us. So you'd be all set up and then they would come in, blast a load of blank ammunition. You have to pack all your gear off and basically do a runner and then set up again. So there's been a few occasions that I've bumped the players because I've come on court and the bags are strewn all over the court. They're kits everywhere, all over the place. And I've just bumped them and gone, right, you've got 10 seconds, get your gear, get down to that side. I'll, I'll, they'll have had a few warnings before this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But the guy that's got his bag packed, he goes, yeah, no worries, bag on the shoulder and he's there. <laughs> the one whose jacket's on the floor, he's got shoes everywhere. You know, he's crambling, he's, he looks like a pack horse trying to get his stuff and then I'll bump him again so we, I have done it I have done it and but just little things like tie, untying your shoelaces if if it's good enough for Rafa who does it every single time it's good enough for you yeah so spend some time undo that shoelace instead of kicking it on and damaging the shoe so just li- it's just little things little life lessons and I've got a young player that I've started working with and all that sort of stuff she's exceptional at yeah Every, or every little thing like that, you know, the shoes and helping you out with the equipment. Would you like me to cut the cones in? And I said, oh, where does this come from? Mum, dad, really quite disciplined. No, no, just do it myself. They're both really relaxed and chilled out. But yeah, like that, that sort of kind of discipline, taking care of her equipment and help, being helpful. It's just what she does naturally. So yeah, I try and I'd like... That, all don't players. you notice those things? Mm. You notice... It, don't you like um so when i go to a school when in one of the schools i go to there's a girl who is so helpful mm. so helpful on getting everything in setting things out can i help you can i help you and she she and when you give her instructions she does it i mean it makes a difference i think at these family occasions my brother basically wants me to put into that triangle position and go get your stuff together <laughs> it's just not the right environment yeah. to do it but i think he wants it's something I need to get better at. Hey, so I mean, after this journey through the Marines, how did you end up coming to the world of strength and conditioning? So left, like I say, end of August 2007. Um, we did a bit of a family move to Spain uh, and moved out and helped run a bar, which was okay in the winter when it was quiet, not so much as the next Marine when it was uh, party time in the summer. So I was kind of like, this isn't this isn't the, the best environment to be in. Uh, came back to the UK, spoke to a couple of friends. They were doing a degree in sports science. At this point, I was 26, so therefore 10 years out of schooling because I didn't do college. I thought that might be a bit too heavy. Um, I had another little look what they had, and they had a sports coaching degree, and they took into consideration my time in the Marines as as, as kind of yeah. matching some A-levels. So, yeah, I got on that just in the route of becoming um, a rugby league coach. Um, but the more I looked at the work, the more you could see they were really short contracts, 12, 18-month, two-year contracts. And I came here to Bolton just to do some volunteer experience. Um, my cousin had the job at, at that time, and the player she worked with, the very first session I ever shadowed, um, was our now coach, Sabrina. And I've got that Sabrina's uh, college T-shirt there, Texas Tech. 
So yeah, really? she she would have been in somewhere between ten and twelve, um, and then basically I just never left. Uh, I got offered like part time work, and then before my third year in sports coaching degree, uh, the the head of the program at that time, Susie Riley, was okay. I would if you would like a job when you finish university, it's here you can have it. So then I tailored everything in that third year towards tennis or more like high performance um, conditioning and high performance training. So it became more about the physical versus just kind of the, the, the technical. And then, yeah, just, just very lucky to kind of be at the right place at the right time in terms of opportunities to, to, to become like the head of the department. And yeah, like I say, I've been 11 years and, and never left. I love it. Do you know though, I think that the, the thing with it is that like from a, from a, making things happen point of view like you know lucky to be in the right place at the right time right time right place but you made it happen by actually saying right at the start of that I'm going to volunteer for something I'm going to put myself forward and that you know even if it hadn't happened at Bolton it would have happened at somewhere because someone's going to look at that CV and they're going to go hey this guy cares this guy cares enough to put himself forward for this and get that experience I mean I think it's just such great advice, isn't it, for the the younger people listening to this podcast. If you are passionate about an industry, get experience in that industry. And it doesn't matter if it's marketing. It doesn't matter if it's PR, S&C, tennis coaching, football, whatever it is. It's just a good life tip, isn't it? Massively. Luckily, one of my tutors at at, at the beginning of my degree, he was ex-forces as well. He said, look, top tip, just volunteer. And in that first year... I volunteered my ass off anywhere and everywhere for the council here, just absolutely the uh, rugby league. I used to coach or help coach Tuesday night, Thursday night, Saturday morning, matches Sunday. Um, I've never been to Port in my life. I had, I was at uni. Um, I had no money left. One day I had to turn up at the train station to come here to Bolton to work for free with a bag full of change. When that run out, I had to start biking it, and it's like eight miles. Um, but I was willing to do it because I've got a strong work ethic. You know, like I was twelve years old, I had two jobs. I worked on the market and had a paper round. So that that goes a long way. And and like you said, I don't want to sound old, but it, it's more. They're more of an outlier when they are that keen, when they're willing to work that hard. They're an outlier versus the norm. You know, we've got people that come to do yes. placements for the degrees, like masters and undergrad. And I get really frustrated when they come to me and go, Oh, can I get some volunteer experience for my case? Oh, right. What year are you in? Third year. Oh, right. Have you done any more experience before now? No, but I have to do it now. And it just is a little bit disappointing because <sighs> they're not getting out there. And, and like you say, like, look plays a part. But if you're on the top three of the shortlist of people that have helped out, helped out, helped out, helped out. You get a shout for that job because you, they've worked hard. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Just I love that, the work ethic. I, I mean, you know, I, I I did a paper round when I was a lad. I got an extra 50p for biking about three miles. This is like Mondays through Sundays. and I'd get an extra 50p for the week because I biked three miles there. And these were posh houses. Yeah. These on a Sunday at the Sunday Times. Unbelievable at times. I was, I was putting yeah. these paper bags on. I would just topple over off my bike because it was so heavy but you learn a work ethic there don't yeah. you yeah yeah like you say it's winter and you're carrying them papers and it's freezing but yeah oh. 
Right, we got to come on to strength and conditioning. What what's your role up at the Bolton Arena? You know, if you went down the pub and someone goes, "So, Howard, what do you do?" Yeah, I've changed it a few times. I don't. It, it, the labels a little. It's like head of S and C, head of athlete development. At the minute, I'm kind of calling myself head of sports science because, like, I'll just basically because I'll just liaise with the other sports science and medicine teams in terms of physios, in terms of nutrition, in terms of sports psych. I'm not saying I'll lead every single book. I'll try and coordinate that uh, as well as then obviously liaising very heavily with the, um, with the tennis team as well. So that's, that's kind of my title at the minute. And the Bolton arena has got, you know, good performance programs, hasn't it? For people who are listening, who are not familiar with Bolton arena, it's, you know, it's yeah. a good level tennis center of all levels, isn't it? Yeah. So we've all, we've always been, as long as I've been here, it's like a kind of an integral part of the LTA's framework. So when I joined, it was a high-performance centre and then it became an international high-performance centre. I think there was four nationwide, only four, and that was heavily funded at that time. Then it went through an era where there was no real system at all, so there was no labels to centres. Um, we went from like heavy funding to, to next to none. Then, most currently now, we are um, a regional performance development centre, so there's 14 of those nationwide. And they feed into the two national academies um, at Nottingham and Stirling, Loughborough and Stirling. Um, and then below that, there's, I think, 52 local play development centres. So local is age 7 through 10, and then regional is 10 through 14. And then they, they, they head off to do the GCSEs at the nationals. Got it. Got it. Now then, for all those tennis parents out there listening, for the coaches as well, why is strengthening and conditioning important? I think, as you've alluded to, athletic children are now the outliers. When you, you're obviously having contact time in schools, um, I had time here for a long time, worked on summer camps with just, I'll say, general pop, general prop kids. They weren't like tennis players. And, and there is a bit of a gulf in just general athleticism. It's not even, you know, the, the language of strength and conditioning, people go, oh, what's that? what's that? But, you know, if we're talking about strength, what I say, it's balloons to barbells. You know, we can work on the squat by hitting the balloon in the air, touch the ground, catch it. That's a squat. This guy over here is a training age. He's better. He's a little bit older. He's actually got some weight on his back. So it's, 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 it's trainable throughout. Um, you know, hopefully over time now, the, the myths of, of weight training, strength training, stunting growth no longer exist. They, they do, but hopefully over time, people will pick up on that. But what we're saying is, and, and I, whenever I pre present, I'll do some slides. I've got a few different slides. So we've got, okay, here is your potential athletic ceiling. Cycle, you know, that's where you could, you could reach. So if you did no sport and no tennis, funnily enough, you won't go through it. If you did tennis alone, then you'll probably go through that potential because it's a very athletic sport. If you add into that mix strength and conditioning in and around puberty, you'll go even higher. But for the highest return and the best genetic potential is to start that strength and conditioning training before puberty. So pre-adolescence, the young players, you can start threading it in as young as five and six. Like I said, disguising the work with balloons. But if they've got all these really basic movement patterns, like the squats and the lunges and the bracing and the pushing and pulling that underpin what the tennis athlete needs to do 
on the court. Then when they go through big growth spurts, they're a little bit better equipped. When they finish that growth spurt and they've got this massive toolbox of exercises that they can do, and you can really start pushing and really starting to like get lean muscle mass and power and endurance, you're not starting the journey there. They're good to go. You've prepared them. So, you know, even being more athletic, going into that growth spurt has been shown to be more positive as well because, you know, it's a difficult time from a coordinative standpoint. So if you work on this stuff early, they're going to go through these kind of tough times, better equipped. I love it. And it's, um, it's, and this is where I think it's so relevant and it'll be interesting when we come on specifically to super movers, whether it's relevant for the football team that, you know, my son plays for, as well as for tennis, because when I go into schools and, you know, I see children, six, seven, eight upwards, some of them, they just, they haven't been given the opportunity to develop movement, coordination, strength, agility, all these things. They haven't had those opportunities. So actually, if they do, if the children can start on something like a super movers program, it's going to help them in every single sport, isn't it? It's going to help them catching in cricket, hitting a ball in cricket, passing a ball in rugby, hitting a ball in tennis, hitting a ball uh, a ball in squash. But I mean, you know, the, I'm guessing that the program that you're putting together for the, these younger children is going to help them whatever the sport, isn't it? Hundred percent. So if we were to pick four elite SNCs: soccer, soccer, tennis, rugby, and hockey there will be a lot of similarities. If we put their programs up on the wall, there'll be a lot of similarities in the work that they would do primarily in the gym because the body only moves so many ways and the body needs to be strong in so many different directions. There's obviously then going to be like some specific elements in terms of what we would class work to rest ratios. So different sports, you know, for tennis, we know that there can be really short points with slightly longer rest. Something like soccer, the ball's in action for a lot longer. Um, so they, they become quite specific in terms of their endurance but at its core for the players like you're talking about in terms of these school age players 10, 7 through 12 even younger they would massively benefit from this programme because it's, 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 it's specific yet general um, the specificity comes in when I'm explaining why it would be good for you as a tennis athlete but really if we videoed it you know, I've got videos, we've done it on the court and we've done it in my kitchen. So to show that you can do the movements from home, you know, if I explain the drill slightly differently and say, yeah, this is where you're going to kind of evade and move past the defender and hand him off in rugby. And I've filmed it on the, on the, on the grass court, there'd be similar exercises. So yeah, at its core, a lot of the stuff will benefit any athlete. Um, but for the tennis athlete, we, we, what we've done really is we have six foundational levels and then within every level there's three different session plans there's forward and back side to side and multi-directional so that way they're moving in all the different directions needed and then we align so if we just talk about just about the lunges forward and back forward lunge side to side lateral lunge multi-direction we do like a drop step lunge similarly when we're doing kind of the agility movement i'll do three step forward, push back really fast. I'll do uh, crossover into side steps and then I might do an orientation drill. So by cycling through the different um, session plans, you're 
equipping the player to move in all different directions. And then you can, if you want to go a step further, you can align the session, the 10 minute warm up to the content of the session. So if you're working on serve volley, all right, let's use forward and back. Okay, today we're really going to be working on defending. Right, let's do the side-to-side one. So that's where you can take it to the next level and, and really align it to your content as well. And I think this is where I would say, you know, if I was given the opportunity to speak to parents of children that I work with, and regardless of whether that's, you know, a county tennis player or whether it's a child starting out in primary school, having seen, you know, since coming into this world, just the, the, the gaps between those who have done sports and have learned these skills and those who haven't had the opportunity. I would say that, you know, this sort of programme, I'd stand up and say, you've got to give it a go. You know, you, it's going to benefit your child in terms of that physical literacy, you know, and physical literacy in my book, you know, that's just, that's up there with your mathematics, your trigonometry and your, your English language, isn't it? You know, these are skills which are with you for life. Yeah, 100%, 100%. It's just, it, it's definitely not got, the same amount of attention as, as I say those what a class as the core modules or the core subjects yeah PE physical activity needs to be in amongst math science and English it has to be but it's not it's an add-on it's, it's the session that they can drop it's the session they can come out of you can't come out for maths early to go to tennis but you can ditch your PE you know so we will if we have a player doing that we'll try and backfill that with with the SNC um but yeah, you know, we even had a girl come yesterday. Mate, I love it. I'll tell you what, this is, you know, sometimes when you speak and we think there's a rallying point here. And the rallying point for me from our chat so far is let's get physical literacy. Let's really get after it and make it as important as we can. And, and I guess that's the beauty of now going into schools. And I think the schools that have been kind enough to, you know, invest in me and, and to go in. Yeah, come on, they're showing that, 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 that it does really matter to them, aren't they? And you see the culture at, you know, the primary school where I've spent my most time. There is a, there's a sporting culture that's coming, that's really there. And you see it, the kids want to play. It doesn't matter what sport it is, they want to play at lunchtimes. And the benefit that they get from this is, is just fantastic. So come on now, how did, I mean, how did Super Movers come about? I, you know, I know you work on it with, with, with Simon, Simon Brundish. Uh, another, you know, kind of real leading SNC coach, award-winning SNC coach. How did how did you guys get together to 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 come up with Super Movers? What's its origins? Yeah, I, th- I think we met at um, the UKSA, UK Strength Conditioning Association's national conference, and then he saw me present um, on like train, tra- like specific training for sports. So, and these were like called performance forums. And there's some pretty heavy hitters that were going to these, like from Man United, from elite clubs and elite sports. And I would just, I wasn't, I wasn't at that level, but I just thought an opportunity is not going to come along where I think I've got an opportunity to speak in front of all these kind of top dog people. And I do think from a physical perspective, we do do things that are quite specific to tennis. So in that talk, I presented for about 20, 30 minutes and, in that, I had a video of a girl skipping to a metronome, shadowing to classical music. I think we had some balloons in there. We had a few different funky things. Um, so I presented for like 20, 30 minutes. And then I was still answering questions to people 20 or 30 minutes after because they were coming at me like, like the guys that work with, say, cycling. In the, all right, if I make this 
this this player bigger and stronger, it's going to directly correlate to their performance. Whereas with tennis, it's such an open, high skill sport. There's there's many qualities needed, and it's very hard to pinpoint the ones that that equal success. So yeah, I think after seeing that, we we became much better friends. Kept kept conversing, and he had the superheroes program, which is using certain yeah. characters to underpin so that like there's a squat a lunge a moving core exercise a static core exercise and a burpee variant and he has 24 levels of those so he's got them in streams and i'm quite a creative person i think he just wanted to force me to simplify things a little bit systemize things a little bit so it's easier for others to follow and that kind of just kept me meandering and then that's where Supermovers came together. I used stuff that I'd have already had in my laptop or in my head or in notebooks. And together we kind of just came up with this program that, that covers the key components. So talked earlier about the three session plans, but within the session plan, you'll work on smash, strength, movement, agility, stability, and honing coordination skills. So it's not, we're not talking about guys just coming in doing squats and lunges and burpees and, and planks. We do everything. We move in different directions. We challenge the balance and stability. And each one of those qualities are needed to succeed. So if we're not balanced, then we're not going to arrive at difficult balls and be able to, to get out of those situations. If we don't do our agility training or change of direction work, we, we don't move with speed and intensity. So we don't get to the drop shot. So all these hand skills that you've developed, if we can't get to it, then it's pretty pointless. So yeah, we want to just kind of support everybody that's involved the tennis player parent and coach to upskill and, and, and boost their movement capabilities so that they continue to stay in our sport it's an amazing sport but if you're not athletic it's a very tough sport and for, for you know i've got two well, three children who play actually um all been at county coaching um as a coach, you know, as well, if I wanted to, to, to try super movers out because, you know, I'm, I, or for anyone who's listening, who's thinking this sounds good, man, this is the sort of thing I'd like to do. You know, how, how do they get involved? You know, wh what do they do to sign up? What's the, what's the package? Yeah. So it's, it's got a couple of options because we've made it a subscription model. Um, the product that's available right now is called super movers at, at home. Effectively. What was that was, was kind of a, a pivoted product for a lockdown but that was just how it happened I still stand by the fact that these players need to be training away from you to get the actual training frequency that's needed you know they need to be doing these movements they really do now I know that takes going to take a, a disciplined child and, and, and a disciplined parent to, to, to make it happen but I think it's it's vitally important. So so that 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 product basically shows you the ability to do everything that we've talked about: your strength, your movement, your agility, your stability, your coordination. Literally, in my kitchen, it's kind of two or three meters by two or three meters. That's it, and you can still do all these movement patterns. So the like you've got an annual membership and a monthly membership. So the, the cheapest way is just to go annual. Um, so for like a hundred pounds, you're going to get like a, a year's access to the equipment. We have got a coach product that's that's in the pipeline will be released soon. So if you're a coach, what you would do is just I'd just get you to sign up for a monthly, $10.99 for the month. And you'll be able to digest the information, you'll digest the content. And the, the the benefit will be you're gonna see me 
explaining and coaching the exercises. So it's almost like you're on a Zoom call with me. You basically just press play and there I am and I'll explain the exercise. I'll demonstrate it from different angles and then away you go. So that's like a little bit of a longer video. That's about 30 minutes. Then, so that's watch, learn and follow. Then you do um, follow and work out. So you don't need to listen to me explain every exercise once you've done it two or three times. So that's a bit shorter. And then we have a 10-minute version as well that should be your warm-up. But even if you just did the 10-minute versions on a weekly basis, that's 30 minutes of your life, you're going through these different patterns, forward and back, side side, multi-directional. They're going to prepare you for the core because we've talked mainly about performance, but we've not really talked about injury risk. You know, the more robust yeah. the player is, the less likelihood they're going to get injured. We can't remove injury, but, you know, as you say, kids are not actually fit, fast and strong enough to actually partake in sport. They're actually so weak. And Simon's shown that with his, with his uh, super superheroes that the core strength of our children is dropping and dropping and dropping. He already proved that within two to three years of school, your core strength drops by over 50%. What he's now seeing is every new intake at reception or year one, that that level's actually dropping and dropping and dropping. So now you're even starting weak and getting weaker because they're all on the iPads. They're laid on the back or they're laid on the front of an iPad and they're not even having to sit up. So this sedentary behavior and that cross-pollination we talked about earlier, you know, we talked about the fundamental movement skills that are super, super important in terms of kind of locomotion, in terms of running, hopping, skipping, jumping, balancing, twisting, turning, throwing, catching, kicking, punting. If you haven't got those basics, you can't cross-pollinate them into a sport. So if you can't throw because you never throw and nobody's ever took the time to teach you to throw or even practice throw, you're not going to want to play cricket around us. So straight away, every time they don't have the fundamental, you start to scrub out which sports yeah. they even get a chance to enjoy. Um, and they've shown that, like in the US, to yeah. get any message across, they've got to call it a syndrome. And one of the guys, Avery Fagenbaum, shown, I think they called it a vortex. Yeah. So basically, you, you have poor movement, so you move a little bit less, so you put more weight on, so you move even worse, and then you're overly conscious about it, so you now even don't move at all. And now we're talking about obesity and health-related issues as well in young, young children. So it all starts with that kind of, like you say, lack of exposure. Um, and... and we're going off topic, but, but you, know, you know, parents of today are busy, aren't they? Um, so the yeah. schools have got to stand up and, and understand that if we want a healthy nation, we've got to chip in. They've got to, they've got to start prioritizing this stuff. Come on. And do you know what, what gets me really excited is because when one, another thing that cross pollination, you know, I was very big on uh, strategies at, at my work. I used to do a lot of strategy papers for various different organizations. And you'd always start with a situation analysis, where are we at now? And then you'd always have your objectives. What is it we want to achieve? So I've kind of pollinated that onto the tennis court. So I speak to parents and I say, what's without, you know, wanting to sound too jargony, but what's your objectives for this mm. lesson that you've booked? Your child? You know, what is it? So the biggest one, Howard, is getting people away from the iPad. Mm. It's the biggest one. It's not Wimbledon champion. It's I need to get that child away from Fortnite, from Minecraft, whatever it is. I, I'd like them to spend a bit more time away from it. And with that in mind, but, you know, in tennis as a sport, you know, for 
if you're not an elite player, you're not playing every day. You might have a you might have a, a half hour, or an hour individual a week. You may do a group a week, but that's only twice a week. The beauty of this, Howard, is that objective of getting away from the iPad, getting away from the Xbox with super movers. You do that seven days a week. If you can give them 15, 20, 30 minutes a day to actually go out and do that stuff, not only are they improving their physical literacy, which, as you were saying with the vortex, the positive vortex, of then you're going to be improving your sport, your tennis, your football, your cricket, whatever it is. But you're also improving that objective which is getting your child away mm. from that game 100 100 and and i think then that's our challenge our challenge of how do we create that same sensation of unlocking a new level of beating a yeah. body you know you can you can print off a certificate that you can put on the fridge you can download something that goes on your phone We've got to be smart because kids like that reward, that kind of rewarding. And um, done some presentations, a little bit work with Mike Barrell at Evolution um, Kids Tennis. And that's something they work on is, is rewards and points and things like that. So, you know, I hope to work closely with some coaches and programs and, and, and clubs to see how we can work together to reward their players for being accountable and disciplined by doing supermovers, how does that link to them being rewarded in the tennis world? And, and so they, there's not a disconnect. They are connected. You need to do this stuff if you want to push on in your tennis. So that that's, that is a mission. And so, so just this is another selfish one. So for the players that I work with, if I'm thinking, you know, how much should I be asking them to do a day from the Super Movers programme? How, how long? What's the time commitment that I'm asking of them ideally on a, is it a daily basis? If you could ask them to train away from you three days a week, you would then be able to take the three different session plans. And then I, I'm like one of my core words in life is compromise. You cannot tell me you cannot find nine minutes three times a week. That You can't tell me. So at the very least, I'd like you to do the shortest version at the very least, if you've got a bit more time, okay, initially you need to do these longer ones and listen to how I'd explain, then it drops down to about 25 minutes. Again, you should be able to find 25 minutes three times a week. But if you can't, okay, let's start with three times 10 minutes. And what we're starting to think about now is, and 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 because we can go in and improve the, prog the program at any time. So if you're a customer, we can go in and improve the program at an earlier stage with like an educational presentation. So they'll always be able to, every time we improve it, if you remember, you're going to get that benefit. But we're, what we're going to start to do is put in that the first two to three levels are not just about the physical and the physiology. It's these other qualities of discipline, accountability, habit setting and consistency. Like, Okay, good work. Right, we're going to work through level one. You're going to, you're going to become disciplined to at least train once a week, maybe twice. Let's big, big it up to three. And then we're going to create this player that's like the word in, in SNC a lot and probably yours is autonomy, trying to make an autonomous player that takes responsibility to arrive at the club yeah. 15, 20 minutes early, does the 10-minute super mover session, bang, they're on the court with you. You can now straight away do some speed work, some change of direction work, some footwork, because they're warm up and ready to go. 
So they now, you know, yeah. if they do 10 minutes and you do t- 10 minutes, that's 20 minutes for every session. You know, they're better prepared for the session you're about to go into. Yeah. It's, I mean, and the, the word, you know, the, the, com- the word compromise, but just as important, the word commitment. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to commit, you know, to, to trying to get better at something, you've got to do it, haven't you? And I think half an hour, three times a week, it's not asking too much. It really isn't. We can find times in the, in the, the schedule for that. Uh, I think this is what I'm fired up to try is, is you know, with, with the children, with the players, try to get them on this programme and just see the, the real benefits that it, that it brings to them. Um, we'll, we will, of course, Howard, um, we will put all the links to the, the Super Movers programme uh, in all the, 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 the links on the podcast, the various platforms, etc. So people, please do check it out. Um, I'm going to make the commitment with our children that, you know, I'm going to get stuck in uh, to the Tennis Super Movers programme. Uh, I'm going to give it a go. The kids are going to give it a go. And then, you know, somewhere down the line, uh, I think we're going to get Simon on as well, Howard, to, you know, just reflect on how it's gone and, and talk to Simon about his background and, and having done the programme, feedback on it a little bit in, a, in another episode. So, yeah, we'll look forward to that. But, I mean, thanks for giving us an intro to it. it you know, it's just amazing. Um, one, one, another question for you. Um, I think in terms of, like, multi-sports. So, you know, we, we were saying that a lot of the players who, uh, a lot of the, the S&C coaches from the different sports, and you, it was really fascinating to hear you say that actually a lot of the things they do are, are very similar, but they'll have specifics for the sport. Where are you on the kind of multi-sport with the, the players that you see? When should someone be specialising as a tennis player? Well, should they be doing, you know, football, tennis, cricket, should rugby, should they be doing as many as possible? Or or is there no perfect equation there? It's just down to that individual. Yeah, there's a quote from Federer that puts his ability to move so well down to the fact that he did multiple sports and multiple activities. Um, there's just this bit of a paradox, isn't there, that as a player, an emerging player, a young player, under 10 player starts to to show the signs that this guy's got a bit of he's got talent he's got commitment he works hard the first thing is there's an increased demand for that player's time be it an extra individual be it an extra squad because the sport is so technical it it takes so much time to teach these kids all the underpinning skills that you will start to see even at a young age a player might drop a sport I just don't think there's any way around it other than you as the coach understanding that and adding five, 10 minutes at the end playing Swedish handball, playing cricket with the, you can use your, your tennis racket. So we, we as a, a physical department will put that stuff in. Uh, we will go outside and play yeah. football. We will get the hockey sticks. We're lucky we've got loads of equipment from the, from the other sport departments. We'll get that stuff out. We'll play dodgeball. Um, but yeah, finding that time as a family as well, you know, finding that time to go down the park, having a bit of bit of equipment at home, you know, getting a balloon at home and the bean bags and getting the kids to throw and trying to catch and hit, you know, it can't be left to the sports coaches and the S and C. Like you've got to develop that habit and relationship and culture that doing these activities is the norm. Um, so yeah, I've, I've, I think I've skirted the question, but 
ideally they would they would be involved in multiple sports for as long as possible. So we have a player who's like a super movies ambassador. She just won under 11 nationals last week and regularly still does netball and hockey. So she's getting different yeah. movement patterns. She's working on different elements of coordination, different elements of fitness, try and hold on to it for as long as possible. Um, but as we've yeah. said, the better players are using better athletes. So then there's a demand from everywhere. The school football team wants them, the club, you know, the local yeah. club wants them. And then, okay, then I start to say, all right, there's got to be a balance. Multi-sport, yes. Seven day a week, five different activities, no. Because you're just going to, then they're going to burn out. So it's, it's that it's balance. It's back to your word, isn't it? It's back to compromise. Back to compromise. Because I, I have the contrast of the two. You know, I've got, yeah. I've got my iPad there and I've got people's schedule. Tennis, 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 tennis. Nothing else. And then I've got the other one. Yeah. So we do cricket, football, and swimming on Monday. We do tennis, <laughs> and you're just like, right? Yeah. Okay. When's the rest day? Oh, well, we only do swimming on a Sunday. Like, when does the kid get to be a kid? So there's there's a balance to be had, but yeah, yeah it, it, it's our job as coaches, you know, to, to to work on these different things. Get a football out and play football, tennis. Um, you know, just, yeah. That, that's what I've always done is is used different little implements and things like that to, to, to drive the, the, the action that I want or the outcome. But we might use a rugby ball to do it. We might use a football. We might get a cricket bat um, and just try and be diverse that way. Love it. love it, love it, love it. Now, I've got to ask you about this one. You, you ended up working as part of Anna Ivanovic's team. How did that come about? But back to that thing that you said, it's not down to luck. You, you, you make your own luck. And basically, I joined... I became part of tennis and became an SNC. And I was like, right. And, and I, because of the military and the Marines in general, I had a very elitist mindset. Um, so my mission was to be in the box. I even, you know, and when I'm asked, like, why do you do all these courses at the weekend? You never seem to relax. You're always working. And I go, right, to be in the box. And like, what do you mean? I said, well, at a Grand Slam, the camera does that to the player's box, I want to be sat in it. Um, and even said it at that presentation that I talked to you about earlier. I was like, they were like, what's the goal? I went, that's the goal. And I went from not knowing one thing about tennis, nor even being an S&C, and in five years, I got that opportunity. Because uh, I, I, I literally worked my arse off. Wow. Um, big thirst for learning. And basically, so she was dating Bastian Schweinsteiger. Basti goes to United. She's going to like, I think she's going to live or be in, when she's in Manchester, she could do with a physical trainer. So Basti's agent speaks to United. United had had um, Dave Samuel from Bath in. So they ring Dave. There's a coach that used to work at Bolton called Rob. Dave says to Rob, who would you recommend in the North West? Howard, right. That goes back to the agent. Uh, I got a sit down interview with Anna, the coach and the hitter. Um, the coach had a son at Sandhurst. So that was like a little bit of a connection straight away. And then I'd worked with a high level squash player as well, female. So I was like, right, I've got a couple of angles there. Got myself a practical uh, interview and then, yeah, I got the gig and it was only ever to just do training in Manchester, but obviously put a decent shift in, in like her off season and then got invited to go out on the road then. So that's what I've got the, 
there the different accreditations on the wall. Wow. Got like Aussie Open, Indian Wells, uh, Mallorca, Sydney. So it was just, it was insane because I just went, and it was tough, but it, and it broke me mentally as well because a lot of like imposter syndrome. Because I've only been doing it five years and I'm like, what am I doing here? Um, not fear of failure, but obviously there's a lot of pressure to win. With the kids, no, it's not about winning, it's about development. With that, it, it is about winning. Um, yeah. No structure. Yeah. So you don't know where you're going to be for how long. Jet lag, sleeping in hotels. Um, yeah, inconsistent routine. Your wife might ask, can we go to this wedding in three months' time? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? Can you not book it off? I went, no, it doesn't work yeah. like that. And I was managing both jobs. Um, Susie was basically, look, this opportunity doesn't really come up. Whatever your wife okays, you can do. So I was away from the academy a lot. And that was probably put a bit of pressure on, on the academy and the coaches that I left behind. Um, and I basically didn't manage to juggle it. I, I always blamed the tour. I always like, you know, it's not healthy. You're traveling. You've got no routine. But I just didn't manage my mental health. Um, yeah. I allowed myself to get emotional. Like, yeah, get burnt out, really. I allowed myself yeah. to burn out. I just didn't manage myself. And that's something that I have to do on a daily basis is manage myself because I usually don't and I overwork and then everybody suffers. So it's no benefit because I, I get cranky. Um, yeah. But yeah, that, that was, that, that ended up being quite a heavy, heavy crash. Um, just this, there's this year pressure. Um, have you, have you now though? I mean, it's fascinating to hear because you've effectively there got two very busy full on roles that you're doing in, in kind of one. Did you make the conscious decision that actually being based in Bolton, working at the Bolton Arena is is the way for you at this point rather than that tour life? Because it was just impossible to be doing those those two. It's almost like I'm just reading with our youngest, uh, Harry Potter, and Hermione manages to go to two classes at the same time because she's so desperate to get on, you know, and, and she's in a maths class and an alchemy class because she's got some magic device that can make it happen, but it got too much for her, you know, was it, mm. was it just, and did, did you end up thinking, well, no, Bolton is the way for me at this point in my career, this Bolton is the way. Yeah, I think so. I think talk about the ego, the ego always has a part to play. But the, the strength of the ego in the tour, like, like being part of it, getting the free Adidas swag, it, 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 it overly consumed me and probably went against some of my own beliefs and values and ways that I would behave. And it was just probably just a bit too much, you know, to go from not working in tennis nor being an SNC coach to be word, working with a former world number one Grand Slam player. It was just probably too big, too big a gig for my first ever gig, it just probably was. Um, and it's just probably just too much pressure. Probably didn't get to enjoy it as much as I would like. Um, yeah. And just let, let like, yeah, just let my ego get in the way of it. But I think there's always that kind of, what's the word? Validation. Yeah. Like, oh, if I'm not seen to be working, you know, to be doing that job, or what, I, I need to be doing that to gain validation that I do know what I'm doing. Um, and like I say, I really enjoyed it. I did, I did enjoy it, but I just didn't manage myself well enough. And, and it came to, you know, Anna, even when I started working with her, you know, the coach was very clear with me going, look, I think this is, 
this is the end of the career really I think she wants to kind of settle down and be a wife yeah. and for somebody with my drive and work ethic that was very difficult to accept so I felt like I'll, I'll no no I'll turn around I'll, we'll turn it around we'll turn it around yeah. um but yeah it was it's just and then she lost first round Wimby um and she basically announced no that this is this is it this is the last year we're, we're wrapping up so it was kind of the, the only bit that was like hard to swallow was like she said to the coach oh, I just wish I'd found Howard like five years ago but I wouldn't have been ready I, I, do you know what I mean so hard to swallow it's just live yeah it's but just validation live. complete validation of come on I've brought something yeah. to the party that, yeah. that Anna has really appreciated it yeah. might be on her journey it was that she'd got to her, mm. her end point there but that must have you know in terms of that just feeling and belief of yes you know that must have been a lovely thing to hear as much as a bitter pill as it was to swallow. Yeah. And it, and it wasn't, and that's it. And it's, um, well, like I say, I, I wouldn't have been ready. And then yeah. I get the, 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 um, email from James clear who wrote a book, atomic habits. Um, and, and they talk about like rereading the same book. He's even talking about Shakespeare, but you know, if you, if you keep rereading the same book, year after year after year, every time you come back to it, you're in it from a different place of understanding. So, you know, it might be like an S&C book. And when the first time I read it, I might have had to read the same like page 10 times. I can't get my head around it. Now you're like, ah, oh, right. Yeah, no, I understand that. And so, yeah, you're always coming at things from a different, you know, different stage of learning, different stage of life. So, you know, that real hunger and eagerness it's got two sides. It's got two sides to it. Like I pushed that hard. I achieved the dream and then didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I was going to enjoy it. So you've just kind of got to, you know, Keith, we talked about earlier. He was like, look, I'm not, you've got such a thirst for, for learning, but you're always looking to the horizon. You're never content with where you are and what you've already done. Yeah. And I think I've, that's what I've done now. I've mellowed a bit and gone, no, I've, I've got enough under my belt. And that's why now, you know, from a professional and a personal standpoint, I'm dropping down with the super movers to work with under 10s because, you know, I can take what I've learned and all these different experiences and then just start to impart them in the youngest guys, be that like, the, the you know, we, we have a massive board over there with our academy philosophy, which is own it, which is ownership, work ethic, no excuses, inner determination, teamwork. Well, I've got lots and lots of experiences from the military and, and my time here and time with Anna and Naomi Brody that I can create stories from those. So I'm in a quite good position that I'm dropping down and with our younger guys just to lay that foundation for optimal athletic movement, be that for tennis or whether they go and start playing netball, football, whatever. If I have a good good impact on their athletic journey, their athletic start of their journey, then I'm happy with that. I'm as happy with of that than being having an accreditation around my neck. Come on. Come on. And then just brilliant to hear for, for all those people who have already benefited from tennis super movers and all those who are going to benefit from it. And certainly in a slightly different way, that motto of own it, that is what myself as a parent, as a coach, that's what I'm going to do because I'm going to get on there. I'm going to get subscribed and away we go. And, and it's just brilliant to hear, you know, all about your journey and um, the fascinating life journey as well as all the, you know, the S&C stuff. I, would, I, I feel like we could talk all day, you know, I, I, brilliant. Absolutely loved it. But um, I know we've, we've got to come to a close shortly. I mean, two final questions for you. So the girl who won the Under-11 Championships, 
you get as nervous watching her as you did watching Anna Ivanovic when you do you get as nervous on court watching? Is your leg tapping up and down? What are you like oh. when you're watching your players? I learned, I've learned I'm better off match charting than watching. Because if you just watch, you get emotionally emotionally involved. If you're just charting, it's less so. So, I, yeah, there's been a few like where I've got too much into the match and you're watching it and you're like, oh. Even with like the you know with the young ones, I've yeah. learned to kind of try and step back a little bit and maybe just look at the footwork or whatever. And people go, oh, "What's the score?" And I go, "I don't know." Yeah. Like, what do you mean? Don't know. I'd rather not know. If I don't know, I can just look objectively at the movement or the you know. I find that two 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 ways to disconnect mentally: just to watch and don't follow the score, or do match chart. It's a bit more objective, and we can jot things down so that the, the two things that I, I think you, you need to give this tip the lads and I were watching a French Open match the other day I can't remember which one it was but it's an exciting match but what I do remember is they went to the players box in the box they were and there was a leg that was tapping up and yeah, down yeah, yeah. so fast that I thought they're going to be wearing the soles of the shoes out here that you know they were so involved in it and I hear you I, for me I, I, I like the idea of charting actually because it doesn't matter if it's uh, some of our children played their first ever match for the club the other day that I'd been coaching and like even then I, my legs are going up and down yeah because you're nervous for them aren't you but uh, wise words uh, separate it off in that way and finally Howard this is our final question for everyone but if you could go for a drink with anyone alive or dead who would it be and why yeah, so I read, you know, you sent through the, some of the questions we might face and got that. Oh, never really amazing at these sort of questions. I always feel like I just choose somebody at random, but I was like, no, it's got to be David Attenborough. Oh. Like, what a guy. You've grown up with him and he's had such an impact and he continues to do so. And I just think, yeah, we could learn a lot from him. And if I can pass on what, when he was asked, David, what can we do? Talking about like global warming, he said, just waste less use less, waste less, you know, don't leave the tap running, you know, use up the food and everything we have, just just waste less, don't have the heating on if you don't need it, don't burn the electricity, if you, you know, turn the lights off. He said that, if everybody tried to do that all day, every day, we, we, we would we'd waste with so much less energy and fuel and everything it might be so if i can pass on these wise words what then... a, what a brilliant answer and i remember we always as a family we tend to go to glastonbury festival and uh you at the pyramid stage you get massive attendances for a gig and there's a buzz going around you know the, the lights of Coldplay. that there's some of the biggest acts in the world and as busy as ever the pyramid stage was when David Attenborough appeared. I think it was the last time we went, so a couple of years ago now, and David Attenborough actually came onto the pyramid stage and made a speech, and the crowd for him was as big as I've seen, you know? And and just, yeah, what a man, and what good guidance he gives in, I mean, unbelievable programmes that he makes, but yeah, wouldn't it be great just to sit down with with David for a pint? I get the Mm. feeling he'd be good company. Yeah. And if I could circle back to everything that we've talked about, the principles and the concepts of rehearsal and tennis super movers, waste less training time and just do better work. You know, yeah. do more relevant work, prepare them mentally and physically and tactically. You know, don't waste the warm up by jogging around and stretching your quads and away you go. Do some super movers, get ready, don't waste your time. Come on, Howard, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you. Thanks so much for, for your time. We'll very much look forward to speaking to Simon in a few weeks' time once me and the, the family have had a, a go at Tennis Super Movers. 
And uh, yeah, anyone that's listening, please, you know, follow the links, search Tennis Super Movers up and, uh, and give it a go. Own it. Own it, yeah. Thank you very much. Very welcome.